Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of James. The New Testament book of James. We're continuing with our Sunday school series of the book of James. And we now come to a very important uh, message found within the book of James, found in James chapter number three. Remember that the book of James is dealing with the practical walk of the Christian. Oftentimes it is referred to as the book of wisdom for the New Testament Christian to be able to know how we're supposed to behave, how we're supposed to operate. Now we've talked earlier in this series, the last couple messages, talking about our works for the Lord and that we understand that our work is very important. But now we start to switch subjects to our words. So from our works to our words. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of James chapter number three, the book of James chapter number three, and notice with me starting at verse one, James chapter three and verse one. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members." that it be that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue no man can tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and wherewith we curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive trees, either a vine, figs, so can no fountain both yield both salt water and fresh. And with this, notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of James, chapter number three, and if you have it in marking things in your Bible, notice what it says dealing with the tongue in James chapter three and verse number five, where it says, behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. In fact, maybe even tie it into verse number six, the tongue is a fire. 
as we speak on this, we're going to see this idea, the emphasis placed on the tongues. Now, when you're lining up the book of James, we know in the book of James that what is happening is that this is one of the first books of the New Testament, that at this time you have the church of Jerusalem where you have many people who've gotten saved. Most of these people are Hebrew people, Jewish people who've gotten saved. And because of that, they've gotten saved from a religion where it said they had to do this and this and this in order to be saved. When they found out salvation was a free gift of God, not of works lest any man shall boast, that what happened is that they took a wrong reaction and began to say, well, listen, I don't have to do anything to keep my salvation, which is true. And I don't have to do anything uh, to get saved, which is true. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. That's not true. That we understand that I serve God out of a thankful heart rather than just trying to serve in order to get something from God. Well, with this idea here and all the things that have been picked up in the book of James for these, for this chapter to put a great emphasis and a lot of emphasis on the tongue shows that this was a big deal even back then that people needed to learn to watch their tongue, to watch their language, to watch their words. And they needed to be reminded how much words have an impact. There's that old nursery rhyme that sticks and stones could break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's a big lie. We often know, we know that often words can be more painful than any physical uh, hitting, abuse, assault, that are, those words are very important. And so with that, we have what is called the tongue examination. Let's see what the Bible has to say about the tongue and then see how well we're doing dealing with our tongue. We know that this idea of the tongue is so important. Even in the Bible here, it says how inconsistent we are with our tongues. Notice with me quickly, verse nine. Therefore, bless we God, even the father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the own similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. We know that with our tongues that we're often so inconsistent. We could say, God's good, God's blessing. How dare you mess up my life? We could switch pretty quickly. The same day, same hour, even in the same sentence, we could switch things up. And our tongues are so powerful. There's just a flame and they're uncontrollable. And we need to be careful on this. If we're at the place where you feel like I have no improvement to do in my speech, then you're worse off than what you even realize. Our speech, our tongue is so important. Let's examine some things that we find in here. First of all, let's see the idea of the tongue and its connection. The tongue and its connection. Hold your finger here and turn with me to what Jesus has to say about the tongue. Now again, the tongue is so important that the Bible makes mention of it over and over and over all throughout the scripture. Let's see what Jesus has to say concerning the tongue. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Now, oftentimes, as you're turning to Matthew chapter number 12, we can sometimes recognize that we have a speech problem. Somebody may say, well, listen, I've got a cursing problem. No, I, some people say, I, well, I've got an anger issue. 
Well, let's see what Jesus has to say about this. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Oh, generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? Notice this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You understand your mouth is not the problem. It's your heart. It's revealing what is in your heart when your mouth speaks. So if you have a cursing problem, it's not a bad habit. It is a heart problem. If you have an anger issue, it's not just a bad habit of controlling your words. It is a heart problem. We have to trace it down that it's not just the idea of our mouths and trying to just change our language. Our hearts need to be changed. We need revival. It is an issue of the heart. And so when we speak about these, we of course are going to speak about our tongues. But through all of this examination, understand that it's not necessarily a word problem, a mouth problem, a tongue problem. It's a matter of the heart. And it is evidence that our heart is not where it should be. So with that, turn with me back to James and let's see the tongue and its condemnation. The tongue and its condemnation. Notice with me, if you don't mind, as we start off in verse 1. James chapter 3 and verse 1. Notice this. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. This idea of master carries the idea of teacher or someone that's a leader, the the idea of authority, the idea that we are an example. Now, I'll give you just a reminder that as a public speaker, I use more words than most people do in public. That's more opportunities for me to mess up. But the Bible here is putting an idea that that's not an excuse. My brethren, be not many masters, teachers, leaders, knowing that we, the masters, teachers, leaders, shall receive the greater condemnation. That's something to think about. That the words that I say in public with an authority of being a Christian or being someone teaching the Bible, my words have great weight. And I'm very responsible for that. That my words can be used in, to affect people's lives. Just an interesting note that Adolf Hitler had wrote a book called Mein Kampf. And that book was just his blueprint. By the way, he followed that thing to a T. He told people years before he took power what he was going to do and how he was going to do it and what would happen when he got into power. Someone did a calculation that for every word that Adolf Hitler spoke in the book Mein Kampf, 125 people died in World War II. Think about that. For every word that was stated, 125 people died. Sometimes we don't realize how much weight our words truly have. And that they, death and life is in the tongue. We need to be understanding our words need to be watched because they affect lives. And the Bible says that there's a greater condemnation for those of us who know what the truth says and are responsible for telling others that we're going to have to stand before God and give an account for this. There's a greater condemnation. Just to give you something else to think about that as we say, well, I'm a Christian, 
but then we use our words unwisely, there's a condemnation that comes with that. If we say that we're a Christian, then the things that we do and say should be a reflection and ambassadorship of Christ. There's an responsibility for this. Now, if you don't mind, let's go to this actual tongue examination. Let's examine what the Bible has to say. Now, the Bible has to say quite a bit about the tongue. Let's go ahead and look through the Bible and see what the Bible says about the tongue. We're going to come back to James chapter 3. But let's just take a quick tour of the Bible. And let's examine. Let's put our tongue to the test. Let's evaluate it and see how it is doing. Let's start off in the book of Psalm. Psalm 39. Psalm 39. Let's take this tongue test. Now, we'll give you a heads up. This test will be uncomfortable. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we can see how important our tongue is and maybe how bad we've messed up in the past, maybe in the last past year, past month, past week, <laughs> or how bad we messed up yesterday. Yeah. Our tongue is so important. Let's examine and put our tongue to the test. Let's see how it stacks up. Psalm 39, let's start there. Psalm 39, verse 1. Psalm 39, verse 1. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Notice this. He said, I will sin not with my tongue. He says, I'm going to make a conscious effort not to sin with my tongue. I'm going to keep track of this. I'm going to notice this. Sin not with my tongue. Notice as we go on, let's see Psalm 141. Psalm 141. Psalm 141. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 3. Psalm 141, and I appreciate you taking the time to look at the scriptures yourself so you could see them for yourself. Psalm 130, uh, 141, verses 3 and 4. Notice this, uh, Psalm 141, 3 and 4. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my flesh to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquities, and let me not eat of their dainties. Here is it speaking, keep the door of my lips. You know, your mouth is, words are so important. Your tongue is such a vile creature that it, that God trapped your tongue behind ivory bars of your teeth and then put fleshly moats of your lips to kind of keep it trapped in there, to try to keep it contained in there. Oh, keep the doors of my lips. Sometimes we just need to learn how to keep it quiet because our words are so important. We need to realize that they're trapped or our tongues trapped back there for a reason. Don't let it loose if it doesn't need to be loose. Notice as it goes on, Psalm uh, Proverbs. Proverbs has quite a bit to say about the tongue. Let's just look at a couple. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, and if you don't have this verse marked, please mark it. Psalm, uh, Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up to anger. 
a soft answer turneth away wrath. The Bible gives an indication in, um, in Corinthians with this phrase, take the wrong. Take the wrong. Sometimes we like to fight. And the reason why we like to fight, the Bible talks about that only by pride cometh contention. Meaning that the only reason why we're willing to fight people is because of pride. And I mean fight, I'm not talking about fist fighting, I'm talking about dueling with your words. We feel the need that we have to show them I'm right and I'm going to prove that I'm right and I'm going to yell at you and tell you're no right. Or we do awful tactics that we try to get people to gang up. You agree with me, you agree, they all agree with me, I'm right. We have this idea and that's all based off pride. The Bible talks about in the book of Corinthians, take the wrong. You know what? I am so sorry. I can understand why you feel that way. What can I do to make this better? It's hard to fight when they're submitting, right? When they're like, oh, I had, um, I'll just tell a quick story. Um, when Crown College was first starting off, it was small and they were trying to get students. And so students had a little bit more freedom because there wasn't rules because they hadn't broken all the stuff yet. They didn't have need, you know, that's the only reason why I have rules is because someone already messed it up. And um, so there was a, a kid who had uh, not used discernment and decided he was going to wake up his classmates with a chainsaw and a hockey mask and that didn't go well. And then he, um, he, uh, <laughs> told one of his buddies to get in the trunk of his car and then went speeding around the parking lot and, you know, let the kid kind of just roll around in there. And, and then, you know, one thing after another, after another. So the pastor had enough and he went and confronted the kid and said, listen, you've been doing all of this behavior and, you know, and just started yelling at him. And the kid says, I'm sorry, I'm worthless. I messed up. I am a horrible, horrible person. And the pastor's like, okay. I mean, what do you say? You know, that's probably not a good example of what to say, but you understand a soft word turneth away wrath. When people are looking for a fight, why not not fight with them? You know what? I could tell that you're upset. You know what? There may be a possibility that I messed up. Thank you for pointing this out. How can I make this right? <laughs> they may walk away confused, but they're not fighting anymore. Build up an influence. You know, people do that with their bosses. Their bosses come up there. Listen here, why didn't you get this done? It's not my job. And, you know, they like to fight. You know what? Thank you for pointing this out. I'll go make sure it gets done now. Thank you. You know, that wastes a lot less time than trying to fight over it than having to do it anyways, right? A soft word turneth away wrath. Relationships, husbands and wives. Better relationship if you're not fighting each other. You know what? I could tell that you're very upset. You know what? Thank you for pointing this out. I didn't see that this was such a big deal. Um, let me try to make this right. Okay, now there's no more fighting. Kind of went away. A soft word turneth away wrath. This is a big deal, but that's in the power of our tongue. Our tongue, you know, when we're, there's a lot of pressure, that's where you start feeling your heart, by the way. Whether it's full of pride or whether it's controlled and under submission. A soft word turneth away wrath. See what else we've got. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18.
Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. There is death and life. There is power in the tongue. And they that love it, love what? The power that's found in their tongue shall live by the fruit thereof. Meaning there's consequences for everything you say. And that we need to understand that everything that we say has consequences. You could be a help to someone in need and they'll remember that. For example, forgive personal illustration. I was just doing training with a young man about chaplains and training them about how to do death notifications. And part of what I was telling him is that when it's all said and done, 20 years later, five years later, the people will not remember the funeral. They'll not remember all the people that said the nice things to them. The one thing they will remember is how they were told their loved one had passed. That moment right then is a key moment and we have to use our words wisely because they'll never forget that. We can make it, death is never a pleasant experience, but we can make it so it's not as horrible or we could just mess it up horribly bad and build up bitterness towards it. You understand? There's power in our tongues and we need to be conscious of this knowing that there's consequences. You could build someone's life up by what you say or you could destroy everything that you've spilt a built in just a couple seconds time. There's a lot of power on the tongue. And once those words are out, there is no retracting it. They're out and the consequences will remain. There's power, death and life in the tongue. We have to understand how powerful and important our words are. If there's someone that's upset, they could remember how kind we were when we were getting yelled at and how we responded and it makes an impression. Give a good example. The apostle Paul, as he's watching Stephen being uh, thrown to death, apostle Paul's not saved yet, but he's watching as this young man who people lied against, he didn't do anything wrong and they are currently murdering him is saying, Lord, forgive them. Paul says, I never got over that. I kept going back to that. In fact, that's what helped him to get saved as he watched someone with the power of their words while they were being murdered, not fighting back, not saying, listen here, you guys are going to answer to my God, you're going to fry. He was saying, Lord, forgive them. It changed the apostle Paul. He probably would not have gotten saved if it wasn't for someone who used their words wisely as they were dying. There's power in the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 31. Again, we're not hitting all the references, but we're hitting a couple as we're taking this tongue examination and seeing how well we're stacking up with our words. In Proverbs 31, and it's speaking about the virtuous woman and talking about this idea of the perfect biblical woman whose price is above rubies. Notice what it says about her tongue in Proverbs 31 verse 26. Proverbs 31 verse 26. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Here it's talking about this perfect woman found in the Bible, this virtuous woman. 
And what is her speech? Her speech is the law of kindness. Now, why is that? Well, for all of us who have been parents, it's kindness is not the thing that crosses our mind when they didn't clean the room. Kindness is not what's crossing our mind when they're throwing a fit. Now, this, don't, don't confuse this with a lack of discipline. That's not what it's talking about. Do you understand that you could even discipline in a way that people understand that it is out of love? That's what it's speaking about. Listen, I have to take care of this and I love you, but I cannot allow you to continue in this behavior. Rather than, you no good, you're never going to amount to anything. You understand there's a difference. The law of kindness. She opened up her mouth with wisdom. This is the idea of the tongue. Now, as we said at the onset, the problem's not with our words. The problem's with the heart. Our words are just reflecting what's in there. That means if we want wisdom to come out, wisdom has to be put in. If we want kindness to come out, we have to work with kindness in here. You're having our heart right. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 1 Timothy. Let's go to the New Testament and see some things. 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. As Paul is talking to his son of the faith, Timothy. By the way, his son of the faith is 30 years old and a pastor of a church. So he's telling his son of his faith, a pastor of the church, and he's instructing him, giving him some further uh, helps so he could be successful to be the pastor that he ought to be. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Notice this. He says, let no man despise thy youth. Now that doesn't mean, that, listen here, you respect my authority. <laughs> no, that's not what he's saying. He says, do it by being an example. How? Be an example of the believers in word. That as a pastor of a church or as a biblical leader, I should show people how to respond correctly. Pastors get yelled at quite a bit. If you didn't know that, just let you know, pastors get yelled at quite a bit. We get blamed for everything. That's, it's found in the Bible. I'm not boohooing. But I'm saying we get a lot of opportunities to show when people are yelling at us how to respond correctly. That's the idea of an example. You know, there are some people who naturally are grieving and they're upset and they're yelling. I can't take it personally. If I take it personally, I'm going to respond wrong. I need to respond an example to the believers how to respond properly when someone's yelling at you. How to respond properly when someone messes up. How to respond properly. If you could give another personal illustration. Um, here's one I haven't told. I don't think I've told many of y'all. The first church I pastored in Tennessee, the very first Sunday, we already had lined up a baptism. It happened to be Serena. And uh, so Serena had made accept, uh, profession of faith. We decided not to baptize her and tell the church because we figured what a great day uh, to have the pastor take the first church, uh, our first service, have a good service and have a baptism that day just to encourage people. We're moving forward. And so I had, um, <laughs> you know, got there beforehand and was 
investigating and said, all right, well, good. Um, let's run water in the baptistry. And they said, okay, well, before we do that, we have to uh, uh, take all the furniture off. We've been using it as a storage closet. Well, that's never a good idea. And I said, okay, well, they were telling me how fancy their baptism was, that it runs water and then it has a heater and it circulates and, and that they were going to get us. Good, good, good. So you guys know how to operate that. Oh yeah, pastor, we do. Well, the people who knew how to operate it hadn't been there in a while and they were just assuming they knew how to turn everything on. And so as one guy was put in charge, hey, we're going to fill this up for pastor. They said, oh, we know about how long it takes to fill up the baptistry tank because it's a big tank thing. It takes about this long. So he said, all right, I got this running. I'm going to go get some lunch. Well, it uh, filled up a lot faster than uh, what they expected. And so it ran over. And we had a pretty big building. It ran over and there is a great flood. All the front, all in the back, there is water everywhere. So they call me up. Now again, they don't know me. I'm just, I'm, I'm fixing to take my first Sunday on Sunday. It's now Saturday. They're trying to run the water. And they spent a while saying, all right, who's going to call the pastor and let him know that we've already messed things up? Uh, who's going to call them that we've already got this great flood and that we got to spend all this night? I, the, you know, they were scared to death. What is this guy going to do? I mean, they don't know me yet. I mean, is he going to bite her head? No, someone's going to take the bullet on this thing. So someone finally gets enough courage to call me up and say, Pastor, there's been an accident and try to explain what's going on and there's water everywhere and we're trying to clean it up and uh, we just want to let you know what's going on. Oh, okay. Well, thank you guys for doing that. Let me know and I, um, I'm coming over right now. I'll help you clean up. You know, and we're singing songs and they're all watching me like waiting for me like to, you know, come out of my skin and, you know, start yelling and destroying everyone and fire coming from my mouth and laser beams from my, they're, they're scared to death. They're like cleaning up, like, please don't kill me. But you know, that was a good example to the believers in word and deed. How do we respond? How are we going to carry this out? How are we going to behave on this thing? You know, that was the idea that I have to be the example. Would it be understandable if I just lost my mind and like, listen here, what are you numb skulls? None of you did anything right. And, you know, that's what they were expecting. But to have something different, they're like, okay. You know, it was something notable. It meant something to them. They remembered that. They started keeping a journal of all the things that were happening in the church. That was in the journal. We remember how pastor responded what we do is an example to the believers. When people are watching us, especially for those of us who consider ourselves biblical leaders, we understand that people are learning how to respond in situations by how we respond. We're an example. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. It's quite a bit, isn't there? 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter four. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 20. First John chapter four, verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he not love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment that we have of him. 
that he who loveth his God loveth his brother also. Here it's talking about not be a liar. People lie all the time. And people lie over spiritual matters, religious matters, all the time. Because they're afraid of getting in trouble. They don't want to seem uh, less spiritual. Again, forgive the personal illustrations, but sometimes I'll deal with a pastor and they'll complain, well, our people don't want to go to church. And I've got people who show up at Sunday school and then walk out Sunday morning because they don't want to hear me preach. And I got people who don't show up at Sunday school. The people who can't get them to go soul win. Oh, but they love God. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's that's opposite. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You've said two opposite statements. You can't say I love God and then behave like a fool. It doesn't work. It's what it's dealing here. I love God, but I hate you. Well, it doesn't work. You're lying. You're lying to yourself. You're trying to convince people. People lie even over spiritual matters. You know, hey, how's your Bible reading? It's going great. Where you been reading? Um, Psalms? Good. What's God speaking to you? Patience? Why don't you just be honest and say you haven't been reading your Bible? I mean, better off. I'm trying to lie. I mean, you're just compounding things. People lie all the time. They're not honest because we like to, it goes back to pride. We like everyone to think of us super Christians, even if we're not. We want people to think of how super religious we are when we're not. And we're lying. There's power in the tongue. You know, you've heard me say before that the biggest crime in our house is lying. Why? Because we teach our children that it doesn't matter how much trouble you get into. As long as you're honest, we can help you. That's the idea. We want you to be honest at all times. Why? Because as long as, it doesn't matter how much trouble we get into, as long as we're honest with God, he can help us. There has to be an honesty. If somebody, if I ask them, hey, how's your Bible reading? Hey, you know what, pastor? I just haven't been reading my Bible and I've been struggling with that. Well, let me help. How can I help? And we could fix that rather than, oh yeah, I've been reading my Bible. And then go on not reading your Bible and struggling spiritually. You understand? We have to be careful with this lying that we do all the time, even in religious things. So there's power in our tongue. This is the tongue examination. Again, we haven't talked everything about the Bible said about the tongue, but we hit enough that we can kind of see how you doing. How's it going? Now, I guarantee there's nobody in here says, you know what? I passed that with flying colors. I'm just the greatest speaker of all time. It's not true. We all have things to work on. Every single one of us. So if you are thinking like you're the biggest sinner of all time, I'm trying to say we're all in the same boat. We have to work on this. We have to acknowledge this. Go back to the book of James and see these illustrations. We find three illustrations in the book of James chapter 3 that helps us to understand this power of the tongue. Notice if you don't mind as we jump into this and starting at verse 3. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, that we may turn about their whole body. For those of you who who ride horses, or at least understand horses, that you put a bit in the horse's mouth, and you use the reins to help direct their traffic. Well, this idea of our tongue is that we need to have it under control. That's the purpose of it. Our tongue needs to be under control. Verse 4, behold, Also the ships, which though they be great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they're turned about with a very small helm. 
whatsoever the governor listeth. You look at one of those big ships. How does it turn? Small little rudder at the back can turn this big ship. Your tongue can turn the whole course of your, your life. Your tongue is an important thing. It could direct traffic. Your tongue could attract people or repel people. Our tongue has lots of power. This little thing can mess up or influence. It could destroy our Christian life and make people just laugh at us and not take us seriously. Or it could be a thing where it draws people near. Our tongue is so important. Notice as it goes on. In verse number um, 5. Even so the tongue is a little member that boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter the little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. You think about how a small fire can get out of control quickly. How many times they look at one of when Arizona's burning or California's burning. It's because someone threw a match to the wrong place, didn't put out a forest or their campfire, didn't tend to something. Uh, and it could set up and burn hundreds of thousands of acres. Just a little fire. You know, you could say something and ruin your entire reputation. You could say something without uh, even thinking about it. Just say something snarky and destroy somebody's entire faith life. You know, we hear sometimes about people who we try to invite people to go to church. I can't go to church. Why? There are too many hypocrites. I've been hurt by a church member. You know what they were hurt by? Their tongue. Our tongue can make it where people don't want to come back to church. Our, t- our tongues can make it so people say, well, listen, if that's what Christians are like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Our tongues are so important and that we have to watch over it. Now, all of this is to say, it's impossible to guard your tongue. You're like, yeah, that's my problem. That's why we cheat and ask God to help. There's nothing wrong with waking up every morning and saying, God, I have another potential day to destroy everything I've worked for. I need your help to guard my tongue. Lord, I'm not getting out of bed because you know what? There are people downstairs. I've got a wife. I've got kids. I could start off this day by hurting them badly. I could go to work and just set the whole place on fire with my tongue. Lord, this thing is a death trap waiting to happen. Lord, guard this thing. Lord, I need help because I can't do it. I'm going to mess up the first chance I get. I need you. That's where it comes down for. We understand how uncontrollable our tongue really is. And the more that you try to control your tongue, the more that you find you're messing up. Have you ever experimented with that? Lord, I need you. I need you. There is death and life and the power of the tongue. Let us be careful with it and understand that it is a matter of the heart. Instead of just controlling our words, we recognize that I need God and let God change me from the inside out so my words naturally will change as I'm looking to him. 
Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.